hey, 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 y'all already know what it is. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever y'all at right now. Y'all know what it is. This is another Camper Chronicle Production. And this here is the Bringing the World podcast. And I am your hostess with the mostest, D. Wood. And I'm up to no good on a fuck work Friday, man. Happy Friday to everybody out there, to all the listeners that's going to be tuned in. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode. Y'all know what's going down, man. Hey, it is Friday. The sun is out. It was raining yesterday. Mother Nature do what she want. She letting us know she run this. And all we can do is sit and wait and dress appropriately. <laughs> but I hope y'all all having amazing days out there. I hope your day's been going well. Um, Man, uh, before we get in the hoop, you know, we're going to finish off the hoop because hoop is popping right now. We'll get into the NFL. And um, again, I was breaking down draft classes yesterday. I did Titans. Uh, Raiders and Niners yesterday, um, and I had a few listeners listen in. Most of the list, not most of the listeners, because I have a nice little crowd. Well, that's what my Spotify and you know my platforms say. So I know a small amount of my listeners, and uh, you feel me, and my supporters are my homies. So uh, I always got to shout out my homies because they the ones who stay on me to do this. So shout out to y'all. So today on this episode, on this episode for sure, I'm breaking down all my homies' teams. And a few other teams that I, I thought had good draft classes. Obviously, when again, when next season starts and training camp starts, I will break down everybody's team, everybody, all your draft picks, your free agent signings, predict your record, if you're going to make the playoffs or not. That'll all come when the new season is, is underway. But some of my homies, they watch the draft. Some of them don't. Some of them are just like, you know, they're NFL fans. They're not college fans. So... Players that get drafted, they don't really know too much about. I got a handful of friends like that. That's like, hey, I don't really watch college. I know you're a college junkie. So once you're, once the draft is over, hit me and let me know what we did. And I do that all the time. And again, so I'm hitting the homies and I'm letting them know. I got y'all. Make sure y'all tune in because I'm breaking down y'all squad because I know that's what y'all would like. Because again, not all my homies be into college. Some of them do, some of them don't. So. We gonna get straight into it, uh, and I'm gonna let y'all know who these people is just 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 for my own personal sakes. Uh, the first team I'm gonna break down is in alphabetical order by teams, uh, by the city, by the cities, and I'll just go straight down the list. And I just went through some of them are my homies, and then some of these are teams that I just thought did really well. And we'll start with one of this ain't my homie. This is actually my brother, and me and all of my brothers have different teams. We grew up crazy. I got a little brother that's. We'll start right here with one of my little brothers. He is an Atlanta Falcon fan, and he's been one since I can remember. Again, we all got different teams, and we all became fans of our teams in our own crazy way. So you would have to ask them on their own time how they became uh, Falcon fans. My little brother's a Falcon fan. So, bam, got to do the Falcons draft. Here we go, Duda. Uh, you guys only had six picks in the draft, but made an impact with all six picks, if I do say so myself. Or if not all six picks, five of the picks. And I'll even go as far as to say five of the six picks that you guys uh, drafted will contribute on the team this year. That's always good to hear on the team that is on the come up. Obviously, they're going with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. So, you know, they got Cal Pitts out there. You got Drake London out there. Obviously, Tyler Alger, the only rookie to rush for 1,000 yards last year. Uh, um, Cordero Patterson, the gadget running back receiver slot returner. And then... You know, in the first round, with the eighth pick in the draft, they take B. John Robinson running back out of Texas. And Big Che has said uh, on the live stream that he thought 
we were on Facebook Live during the draft. He said he thought that the Falcons could take him, even though Algier did really well for them. Because and he and we brought and when he said it to me, it made a good point, and it kind of just went back to who their coach is. Their coach is Arthur Smith. And for y'all that don't know who Arthur Smith is, he's the old Titans coach. He's our old office coordinator. He was our tight ends coach before that. He was our coach right after Matt LaFleur got his job to the Packers. As soon as we moved him to the Packers, Arthur Smith moved up. He did three years with us, and now he's in Atlanta, and he helped with Derrick Henry pay with that run game, and he was and he was when our run game was at its best, and we had the exotic smash mouth is what I would like to call it, and we ran a lot of different exotic run plays, and I thought, I don't even got to use the word exotic. We just ran more run plays than dive left, dive right, stretch right, stretch left, and it just looked it looked better, and it was presented better, and um, I think he's going to do the same thing with B. John Robinson. B. John Robinson will be the day one starter. Uh, he won't get all the carries early in his career. You still got Tyler Algeor. Tyler Algieri, who is a, a a bulldozer of a running back and who will run through people and punish them. Uh, you still got Cordell Patterson, who will be able to do gadget players, play a little slot, catch off the backfield, run screens and jet sweeps and things like that. And then you got B. John Robinson, who you could call personally is like a souped-up Saquon Barkley. I think he's got a little bit more contact balance than Saquon. He's a little bit more stronger. Um, and he might be a slight better receiver, but not a not a big gap. I'm not even gonna say a better receiver. He just has better hands. I feel like they both evenly run good routes out the backfield, matchup nightmares. But I think B. John Robinson has better hands than Saquon Barkley, and I think he's stronger uh, at the point of attack and has stronger contact balance. So again, I think B. John Robinson again, if he wasn't a running back, or if this was back in the day, he would have been the first pick in the draft. He was that talented. He's that good. Atlanta gets them one. Um, in the second round, they double back and get Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. Uh, he played tackle at Syracuse. I think he's going to come in and play either right or left guard. I know they just re-signed Win- uh, Lindstrom, who's the starting left guard. So I think you kick Bergeron into right guard. Now you have a solid offensive line. They re-signed McGurry. He's going to play a tackle. You got Jake Matthews at the other tackle. Now you got a solid offensive line, and I think Bergeron helps plugs and plays that guard with tackle flexibility if he can develop. He can develop and play tackle. He played a lot of tackle at Syracuse. He's played some guard as well. It's just easier to play guard because you got protection on your side. So I think he's got position versatility. Um, but the crazy part is my favorite picks of Atlanta are the next three picks. The next three picks are guys who I think are going to contribute early as rookies and who could end up maybe, if not starting at the end of this year, going into next season being starters. And we'll start in the third round. They went with one of my favorite D linemen out the draft, and that's Zach Harrison out of Ohio State. This is a big guy, very big, very physical cat, six foot four, 260 pounds. He's a 4-3 defensive end, and he can got some inside, he can kick inside and slow package and rush from the inside pressure he's going to be a guaranteed run stopper right out the gate and you know Arthur Smith is going to want to stop the run you get him you pair him with Bud Dupree um you pair him with uh uh um Aminata, who they just got they also got Grady Jarrett down there and uh I think Zach Harris I think Zach Harrison is going to be a very very good pickup for these guys impact player uh, uh can definitely help out early on rundowns with pass rush capability um I don't know how this guy got to the fourth round he was my Maybe my fifth or sixth rated corner coming out. Um, maybe be maybe it's the size. He's not super duper big. Maybe about five eleven. But Clark Phillips the third out of Utah. I think this guy can start at corner, start at nickel. I think as a fourth round pick, he's going to contribute to challenge Jeff Okuda to start at, uh, across of AJ Terrell. We know AJ Terrell is a Pro Bowl caliber, All Pro caliber corner for Atlanta. They need somebody to go on the other side. Again, they traded from the Lions to get Jeff Okuda. 
uh, hoping that he can revive his career and be worth the pick three that the Lions took him on a few years ago. If not, don't be surprised if you see Clark Phillips III out there playing as a rookie. He has very good ball skills, uh, great feet work. He doesn't have a great top-end speed, but still 4-4, ain't nothing to sneeze about. Uh, great feet work, can tackle, plays zone, plays man. I think this guy's going to help out. And again, if Okuda ain't playing well, don't be surprised if you see Clark Phillips playing uh, a lot of corner as a rookie this year. And then, not their last seventh-round pick, but they're my favorite seventh-round pick. DeMarco Helms out of Alabama, a safety. Again, Falcons signed Jesse Bates already. He's going to play free safety. They got Grant, who they drafted uh, two years ago out of UCF, who's a solid, strong safety. But DeMarco Helms can play that hybrid sub-linebacker because the Atlanta Falcons don't have great backers. They have some solid linebackers. They don't have just no outstanding world beaters at linebacker. But DeMarco Helms can come in and play hybrid linebacker with safety ability. He can play safety as well. This guy's going to be an instant special teamer. He's going to play on all four forms of special teams, punt, punt return, kickoff, and kickoff return. This guy is going to be an amazing player for you guys. I think you got a steal in the seventh round with DeMarco Helms, who was a two-year starter at Alabama as well. Starter capability. I think this guy is going to be a baller. And um, that's their draft. They drafted a, uh, a interior offensive lineman out of South Carolina in the late and uh, with their last seventh round pick, uh, Javon Gwynn, who's just a project player, somebody who's uh, can play center or guard. They'll just work him in and uh, practice him in, hoping you can develop and get you a center in the future or an interior guard. I think obviously they didn't need B. John Robinson. But in the league we're in, it's a two-back league now. Cordell Patterson isn't really an every-down back. He's more of a give me 10 to 12 touches a game type. So I think they needed another back to go with Algier because Algier isn't a home run hitter. He's a bruiser. So now I feel like they got them a little thunder and lightning, a little slash and dash and pizzazz when you throw in uh, Cordell Patterson. So that's what we'll call that, slash, dash, and pizzazz. That's going to be my name for the Atlanta Falcons running back crew going into this season. Uh, I think they had a good draft. I would even I would, I would would go all the way and say these guys, get these guys a B-plus draft for sure. I think they probably, again, I want to say they should have got a corner earlier, but I think Clark Phillips is a third to second round talent who they got in the fourth round. So they, they basically got it and got it good. So great draft. I give these guys a B-plus. Good season, good draft for Atlanta Falcons. Next up, Dallas Cowboys. I actually got a few friends that's Cowboy fans. My older brother, uh, my oldest brother is a Cowboy fan. I kind of rooted for the Cowboys when I first started watching football because he is who I watched it with. My older brother, Rick, diehard Cowboy fan. Um, And I got a homie, Jay Mackin, who is a big supporter of the podcast, always tap in with me. So he's a big-time Cowboy fan. So I got to go through y'all draft. Um, and let y'all know that y'all did all right, bro. Y'all didn't have a bad draft. I actually like a few picks in this draft. A couple guys I had to do some research on. But you guys got some good picks, uh, value players. And we're going to start right at the top with the first round pick in round 126. Again, I think you guys wanted one of the running backs. But with the running backs going so early, and I think you guys wanted Dalton Kincaid. And then the Bills jumped up in front of y'all to get him. So, again, you go with the best available player on your board. And I believe it was Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle out of Michigan. This guy is a nose tackle. And he won't even have to play it in this offense. He's going to actually get to play with another D tackle. And he's going to demand a double team. There's not going to be too many guards or centers who's going to block this man one-on-one. -on -one. 
six foot five, weighs six foot four, 350 pounds. This is a big human being. Put up 38 reps of the bench press, uh, uh, 225, which was the max at the combine, the highest out of anybody, offensive line, defensive line, whatever position you want to play. He was the strongest man at the combine, and he was one of the strongest players in college football. And this, this helps. This not only helps uh, the, the secondary, which has been playing pretty well. This helps Micah Parsons, who now they want to move to defensive end full-time. And um, I think he's, this will help him out a lot. This guy is going to demand double teams. And if they can get this guy to get a little bit of pass rush ability, oh, my goodness gracious, great balls of fire. The Cowboys will have something. Um, and in the second round, you guys took Luke Schoolmaker out of um, Michigan. Again, this was kind of, I felt like, y'all did need a tight end, but I felt like once you didn't get Dalton Kincaid, you kind of could have waited maybe. But I like Luke. I think Luke uh, has great hands. He's a good route runner. And he was one of the few tight ends. There's only a couple tight ends in this draft that actually block. He's one of them. Very open to blocking. I think he can kind of be like Dalton Schultz. Obviously, they got Peyton Hendershot, who they like. And they got Jake Ferguson, who I actually like at tight end out of Wisconsin, who they took last year in the fourth or fifth round. But again, can't have too many tight ends. Again, they like to run a lot of two and three tight end personnel anyway. So I think Shoemaker, uh, a schoolmaker, is going to be a great pickup for them. Now, my favorite pick of the whole draft, uh, for the, not for the whole draft, but out of the Cowboys' whole draft, this is my favorite pick of y'all. Third round, DeMarvin Overshow. Overshow or Overshown? It's an it's N at the W, so I don't know if it's Overshow or Overshown. Uh, but this guy out of Texas... Uh, he's a hybrid linebacker. He's played safety for two years, transferred to backers, played backers the last two seasons. I think he could have went higher if he played more time at linebacker. But he still showed um, some some uh, some rookie mistakes, some young mistakes he would make at linebacker. But this is another reason why you can move Michael Parsons to defensive end full-time because this dude is sideline to sideline. He ran 4-4 at the combine, so this guy can run. Hit, run, and he can cover running backs, tight ends out the backfield. So now you have this guy who you kept Micah Parsons in the middle because he did these things. Now you can move him to the edge, which I don't think they should do. I still think they should let Micah play everywhere and be a matchup nightmare for teams, but still be heavy on the edge rush. But again, you know, uh, Dallas has a plan of action. And I think putting uh, Micah at end full time, him and Lawrence, but in DeMarvin Overshow playing in that middle, him and Leighton Van Der Esch, they gonna ring some, they gonna ring some heads. They're gonna they gonna make some noise. You're gonna see DeMarvin Overshaw pop out right as soon as he comes out as a rookie. If you've never seen this kid play, go put on the Alabama film from last season when they played Alabama and go watch. Keep your eye on zero. I can't even say number zero. I guess zero is a number, but keep your eye on zero. He makes tremendous plays. Going to be a great pickup for you guys uh, in the third round. In the fourth round, uh, Vila May Fioco Jr., edge rusher out of San Jose State. Very good edge rusher. Uh, solid pick. Uh, again, they need more pressure. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence uh, be up and down with his pass rush. Again, Micah won't play edge all the time. So you're going to need more. And again, you can't have too much pass rush. In the fifth round, offensive tackle. Uh, Asami Richards out of North Carolina. This is going to be another guy you stick on this offensive line 
uh, where we already got a bunch of talents in line. Offensive line is kind of secure. Again, most of these offensive linemen have position, flex, ability. So this guy can also kick in and play guard um, as well. But again, they got Tyler Smith, who they don't know if they want him to play guard or tackle. So you want to get these other guys to help out just in case. So I do like that pickup as well. And now I'm going to skip all the way down to the sixth round and who I think is going to be just a, a versatile playmaker for you guys. Uh, and I'm speaking on the Cowboys still. In the sixth round, they got Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. Deuce Vaughn ain't but 5'5", five, five, a buck 75 at best. But he's a very solidly built. He's not a he's a small guy in height, but he has a big stature. He runs hard. He led the country in all-purpose uh, 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 yards with 1,900 all-purpose yards this season. Um, he's going to be Darren Sproles as out of Kansas State. He's smaller than Darren Sproles as well, but he's a little bit more explosive. And I think he's already a better, better route runner out the backfield. And if you want to see this guy play, you can go put on the Alabama game in the bowl game. He breaks a 70-yarder on Alabama. We know the type of guys they got out there. You can go put on both games against TCU this year. TCU played in the national championship. He ran all over TCU as well. You can just go put the same on from Deuce Vaughn over the last two, three seasons. Deuce Vaughn is a spectacular player, and he will help out immediately for the Cowboys. He's not a gimmick player. He's going to actually get the ball, and I think he can get anywhere from 12 to about 15 touches a game for the Cowboys and be very effective. Uh, Ronald Jones as well. Uh, I can't forget the young cat's name who wear 34 for him. I think he's going to get a chance at it. And obviously, we're just waiting for Pollard to return to be the lead dog that he is. Um, again, I think the Cowboys had a, a solid draft. I give them a B minus as well. I give them a B minus. I think they had a solid draft. I think they got some developmental players that uh, can show some upside. But again, Maji Smith, schoolmaker, overshow, Deuce Vaughn. And potentially, Fihoko Jr. could all contribute as rookies right away. Good draft, Cowboys. Now, this next team, this ain't uh, uh, nobody's team. <laughs> but I, I had to give these guys a shout-out. They had a hell of a draft. And when they first drafted in the first round, I was a little bit uh, thrown off by their draft picks, I'll say, to say the least. So I definitely wasn't sure on how it was going to go. But after looking at the way the draft finished, they had a hell of a draft, and that was the Detroit Lions, man. And I ain't going to front. Taking Jameer Gibbs at 12 maybe could have been a reach. But, again, they wanted – excuse me. They wanted Devin Witherspoon. That was who they wanted the whole time. That was the number one corner on their board. Everybody was like, why didn't they take Christian Gonzalez? Because people don't think Christian Gonzalez can tackle. And tackling is a big thing corners have to do now because it's a passing league. That's how you stop run after catch. So people aren't sold on him tackling, and they're not sold on him being good right away because technically he only has one good year of film, and that was last season at Oregon. His other two years at Colorado aren't really anything good. It ain't bad either, but it's not good. So you fall a little bit in the draft. But again, I think they really wanted Witherspoon. He gets took. They trade back. Get Jameer Gibbs at 12 from Alabama, who's a tr tremendous player. But I thought it was a little bit early. Then they turn around. Uh, get Jack Campbell as well out of Iowa, a, a tremendous linebacker with great coverage skills and is a thumper in between the tackles. Um, and they get him at pick 18 in the first round. Um, again, both those picks were a little skeptical. I thought they could have got both of those guys later. So that was where I felt like they fell off. But then here is where the draft took a turn for the better for them. So in the second round, they had two, second round, two seconds and two thirds. In the second round, they take Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa, 
who had a chance to sneak into the back end of the first round, who I thought would have been a potentially early day two, which he was. He was the third pick in the second round or a late first. So you get him at value, bam. Then you get Brian Branch, who I thought could have went in the first round in the back end of the first. You get this guy, mid-second round, who potentially had first-round talent, bam. Then in the third round with the 68 pick, you get Hendon Hooker, who we thought could have been a late first or early day two draft pick. You get him in the third round, and you get Broderick Martin, a defensive tackle, out of Western Kentucky. I believe Hendon Hooker, Brian Branch, and Sam Laporta were better picks than Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. So if you was just to flip the dra the Lions draft picks around and say they took Brian Branch and Hendon Hooker with their first two picks, we wouldn't be mad at this draft. And then they got Laporta and Gibbs and Campbell in their, with their two seconds and their thirds. We would say this was a great draft. So I'm going to say the Lions had a good draft. It may have not been how we wanted them to draft these players, but hell of a draft, Lions. I, I, got, I, I give you guys an A, man. I got to give y'all an A. It was a hell of a draft. And I think Hendon Hooker, is the icing on the cake? I think in two, in at, if he can play this year, look out, Jared Goff. If not, next season that quarterback competition will be beautiful, and I think Henry Hooker will take over, and I think the Lions will be a team to be reckoned with for the next, you know. Next, we go into the good old Green Bay Packers. My mom, she's a diehard Packer fan. My homie Stone Matthew Stonemus is a Packer fan. My homeboy, Jay Les, Packer fan. These guys always tap in. Again, my boy, Jay, he watched college a little bit, but he don't watch it enough to know players that he don't like. You know, that ain't raw. He going to know all the raw dudes, and then he going to know the dudes that play for Miami and Florida because those are the two of the schools he like. So if you raw, he going to know you, or if you go to the U or Florida, he potentially going to know you. So a lot of these players that I'm going to find a name for him, he ain't going to know. But the Packers had a plethora of picks. Too many to count. I'm going to count them anyway. Three. Five, seven, 12 picks. They really drafted 12 players. Super duper surprising. But I'm not going to front. They had a very good draft, um, top part of the draft. I like the top part of the draft. Second half, again, this is a lot, of uh, a lot of developmental players. But when you have this many picks, that's what you're doing. So pretty much after like the fourth round, everybody is really a developmental pick with some upside, a lot of special teamers um, and situations like that. Um, so we're going to start at the top with pick 13. Obviously, they swapped picks in the Aaron Rodgers trade. They get Lucas Van Nash, the edge out of Iowa. I think this guy is spectacular because I think his best football is ahead of him because you think about this. This guy went pick 13 in the draft. He never started a game at Iowa for the last three seasons he was there. Never started a game, but led the team in tackles for loss, led the team in pressures, and was tied for first on the team with sacks. Every season coming off the bench. Um, they call this man Hercules uh, because of his physique. Six foot five, two hundred seventy-one pounds. Ran a four-five-seven. Uh, did the bench twenty-something times. Freaky athletic. He can play on the edge. He can play on the outside. He can play. Uh, he can rush from the edge. He can rush from the interior. I think this helps out a lot. They took Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia last year to help on the interior. I think Vanessa can help on the edge and in the interior. So that's a perfect get up. You still got to wait on McGarry, McGarry, uh, on Gary to get healthy. Rashawn Gary, uh, who they took a few years ago to get healthy coming off of the ACL. Uh, you also got Preston Smith. He the OG, though, so he's not going to get younger. So Vanessa comes in instantly and helps out on interior and edge rush. I think it was a great pick. 
Um, in the second round, Lucas Musgrave out of Oregon State. This is a flex wide receiver. He's going to play a lot of slot, wide out. Uh, this guy is going to catch the ball, a lot of run after catch. Again, got to help out your quarterback. We obviously knew that we weren't going to take a receiver in the first round. Just to pack away. We ain't going to change up nothing because we got a new quarterback. Ain't shit changed but our limp. But they go get a tight. Listen to this, though. They go get a tight end in the second round. Lucas Musgrave out of Oregon State, who's going to be a starter. Because I like Jacob DeGuar, who they have there. But he's going to lose out to both the tight ends they drafted because they took two tight ends in this draft. And again, Musgrave will be a starter. Flex out more of a receiving tight end. Play a little bit in the slot. Kind of like uh, not as tall. He's about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, but like Jermichael Finley. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you play a lot of wide out, flexed out a little bit more, more fancy. Second, their other second round pick, Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. This guy is going to play slot. Now they don't have to put Cobb in the slot. I mean, not slot, Cobb, but Dobbs in the slot. Dobbs can play outside like he did most of his career in Nevada. Kristen Watson can play outside like he did most of his career in North Dakota State. Jaden Reed played a lot of slot at Michigan State. He is a deep threat. And for you, Jason, he wore number one. Go do it. Go, go, go look up a couple highlights. He wore number one. So you know how you feel about players that wear number one. Big time slot receiver. Big time speed from the slot. Can run routes. Kind of like a Randall Cobb type of guy where I could beat you vertical and I got the routes to, to shift and break down, stop and start ability. So I do think this guy's going to be a big pickup. Going to contribute early as a rookie along with uh, Luke Musgrave as tight end. And in the third round, they took Tucker Croft out of South Dakota State. Another tight end because, again, they lost uh, they lost Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tanya. So you only got one tight end on your roster. And we know these guys like to run a lot of two tight end sets anyway. And they're going to run a lot more now that they don't have A-Rod. So, bam, you go get another one. Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. He reminds me of another South Dakota State tight end who's now in the league Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles. This guy is a big tight end, more in line, six foot five, six foot six. He's gonna be more of an inline tight end, hand in the dirt, but can stretch the field vertically from the from the tight end position. Got a great crossing ability, good run after catch. Thought it was a hell of a pickup for these guys. And then uh, in the fourth round, Caleb Wooden, defensive tackle out of Auburn. Again, Kenny Clark is more of a defensive run stopper, but now you want to add pressure up the middle, so. You go get Van Ness. Again, you get Wooden. You get Wyatt last year. You get Quay Walker last year. Now they're adding to the interior to be able to stop the run and pressure up the middle. Uh, helps out that secondary that's going to play even better with a healthy Jair, healthy Stokes, Patterson. They're going to be very, very good in that secondary. Rudy Ford, all those guys. I think uh, you guys did a really, really good job in this draft. And then they took Sean Clifford in the fifth round out of Penn State. Athletic quarterback. Uh, read option type of guy, RPO type of guy. Um, he's going to be a very good developmental quarterback. You know, somebody that can come in and be like Tim Boyle was, where he's a solid number two, number three quarterback. Really just know the system and can play in spot duty if needed to be. Um, a lot of these other picks are developmental guys. Um, Devontae Wicks out of Virginia was a pretty good player. I've seen him play a few times being a, um, a Florida State guy, so I see a lot of these ACC cats play a lot. Um uh, Carrington Valentine out of Kentucky is a pretty good corner. And then uh, Anthony Johnson, the safety out of Iowa State, I think was a solid player. I think he's going to uh, impact early on special teams. And that that would be it for, uh, for the pack. Next, Kansas City Chiefs, defending champs. My little other little brother, Peanut, is a Kansas City fan. Been one since Alex Smith and uh, all those cats. So he's he's throwback. Uh, he, ain't a, he ain't a bandwagoner. Before Mahomes, 
he didn't even really know who Mahomes was. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it was one of those, like, you know, he had to learn through watching the draft and shit like that. So he's a, he, he gets his respect. He's not a bandwagoner. He'll get that. Um, but Kansas City had a solid draft. Again, when you're the champions, you're not really missing nothing. Rich just get richer. So at the end of the first round, I think they would have took one of those running backs. That's why they ended up signing Jerry McKinnon. But neither running backs fall to the later rounds. So you go ahead and get what else do you need? Edge help. You let Frank Clark walk this year. You get Felix at a DK Uzama. Edge rush out of Kansas State. Uh 6'2, 260 pounds. But this man ran 4-4-9 at defensive end, y'all. Explosive. Now they're gonna have a speed rusher to go with the power rusher of Carl Office, along with Ooh, excuse me. Along with uh, Chris Jones in that middle, that's going to be real, real nice right there to add. Then the second round, you probably got the receiver not a lot of people know of, but probably had the best hands in the draft, and that's where she writes out of SMU, about six foot one, six two. He's going to take over Juju Smith-Schuster's role. And obviously, he was like, you can find anybody to do that role. Again, it's the catching of the football is what Mahomes likes. So I'm going to get you the ball. I need you to catch it. And one thing Juju did well was catch the football and run after the catch. And Rasheed Rice, snaggy hands. You put the ball in his vicinity, he catches the ball. Two hand catches, one hand catches, no hand catches. Rasheed Rice will be an immediate impact player um, if he can learn the system. You learn the system, you learn the scheme, you can learn the vibe with Mahomes. I think this guy will be an early contributor. Might even be a starter. Him, they walk out with him, uh, Kadarius Toney, and uh and uh Mark Marcus Valdez Scalas. I can see those being the three starting receivers. Yes, I know they got Sky Moore who they took last year. I think he's going to be a good player too, but I still think it's time. It's different strokes for different folks. And I think Sky Moore was supposed to do what Kadarius Tony is, but Kadarius Tony is going to take that role for the time being. But again, they still lost me Cole Hartman as well, lost Juju. So they got a lot of uh roles to fill. I think Rashid Rice helps out a lot. Uh Wanye Morris out of Oklahoma, and yes, he is named after uh, Wanye from the R&B group. I don't want to say the wrong one. My, uh, I don't know if it's Boys to Men or if it's uh, one of those other groups, but Wanye Morris, yeah, I went did my research. His parents named him after the exact dude from the group. Uh, yes, but outside of him being named that, good offensive tackle, uh, comes from Oklahoma, from that, uh, what's the name of that coach? Uh, Riley, uh, uh, Lincoln Riley, that pass-happy scheme. So you know this guy is going to be good at pass blocking. And when your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, what do you need your offensive line to be good at? Pass blocking. So he's going to help out, contribute to play for that offensive tackle spot against Donovan Smith and uh, and Lucas Niang as well. Um, and then uh, Chamari Corner out of Virginia Tech is a feisty corner. He can play slot. He can play outside. And again, Kansas City don't mind playing young corners. So don't be surprised if you see this guy out there uh, getting it, getting it in early. And then another defense end, they took B.J. Thompson out of SF, SF Austin. He was at the uh, East-West Shrine game. He has very, very violent hands. He really smacks defenders around with his hands, and he has a good first burst. So I think he ups out. And then and then Keandre uh, Colburn out of Texas will help out on the interior as a rookie. Late six-round pick. Definitely will be able to help out. Uh, good draft for um, uh, the Chiefs. I'm going to give them just a B-minus. Uh, I thought they should have got another tight end, man. I really think they should have got a tight end, and I do think they should have got a, a running back. I understand Pacheco as well. I'm not sure Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is he good, but they did sign back Jeremy McKinnon, so I guess you don't need it. But I'm still going. I'm still going to stick with the B minus uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, I forgot to give the Packers a grade. 
Uh, or did I get a package of grade? Oh, I gave the package of A. I gave the Packers, hey, you get your edge rusher, you get two tight ends, you help the young receiver out, and you got a lot of developmental players to develop. Next, we got the Eagles, uh, my homie Disco, Scola Bean, uh, the homie Dom, New Level Dom, both Eagle fans, uh, been Eagle fans since I met them. So, uh, you know, I can't speak for what they were before I met them, but they've been there since I met them. And the Eagles probably won the draft. Uh, they're probably one of three teams that won the draft. There's a couple of teams you could say won the draft. Eagles are one of those teams. It will start right at the top. Jalen Carter, the defense tackle out of Georgia, was protected. First projected to go around one pick one till this incident happened. So that was that. But again, this guy is going to be a plug and play defensive tackle. Um, they probably not going to start him because Fletcher Cox, the OG, they drafted Jordan Davis. So they'll probably let Jordan Davis spin too as well. But this guy is going to start. And he's going to dominate. When he gets on the field, then they dove back in the back end of the first round and get Nolan Smith, the edge rusher, who could have been a top 15 pick if he didn't have a pec muscle injury that people were scared of. Now they get an edge, another edge rusher that they don't need, but that they just wanted to add because they still got Brandon Graham. They still got my they still got uh, uh, Josh Sweat. They still got Hassan Reddick. And now you add this cat. This this the rich get richer. Um, Tyler Steen out of Alabama play tackle for Alabama. He's going to start at right guard for Philly. They lost Samuel Fihako to, I want to say the Steelers, the guard. I don't know. Or is it, uh, no, Isaiah Samalo. My apologies. Uh, Isaac Samalo. They lost the right guard to the Steelers in the offseason. So you replace him with a guard from Alabama. Plug and play. He'll start as a rookie, Tyler Steen, and be a baller. Uh, they did sign Tremaine Edmonds to play one of those safety spots. But I think in the third round, Sidney Brown out of Illinois, whose twin brother Chase Brown got signed to the Bengals. Uh, I think this kid is going to be uh, one of the safeties that plays a lot. He can play in the box. He can play over the top. And he can also cover in the slot. I think this kid plays uh, immediately for them. And then probably they're still in the draft, even more of a steal than the first two guys. In the fourth round, they get Keely Ringo out of Georgia. This guy was a first-round corner all day, all night. But I guess when he went through the workouts, they said he had a bad foot and his work ethic was terrible. Because some coaches from Georgia told them that, which is what you do as a coach. You don't lie for your players because then all of a sudden, scouts start to not mess with you and they stop drafting your players. And then if your players aren't getting drafted, kids aren't coming to your school because you don't got players coming to the league. So you got to be a realist. So some coaches told people that Keely Ringo had a lazy work ethic. Great kid, great talent, athletic, was the number one corner coming out of high school, but Work ethic is everything. And again, when you're the number one corner and you get everything spool fed to you, I can see you getting a little lazy. But I think this is a tremendous pick, humbling experience, and he's going to play early. He's going to already be it's either the third or the fourth corner when it starts. I mean, if they still got Avante Maddox, I mean, Devontae Maddox, then yeah, they're good there. But if they don't have Maddox, Keely Ringo can see the field early. And he has a nickel ability because he played in the nickel a little bit for Jordan and did some blitzing. And obviously, Bradbury played in the nickel. And and um, so they, they definitely got a nice little secondary to work out out there. Eagles get an A+. Plus. They kicked ass uh, like it was nothing. I can't even front. And even more old Jamo from Texas is a big physical specimen that's going to help play on the defensive line. A++ plus plus for the Eagles. Shout out to Disco and Dom. Um, next, Tampa Bay Bucks. I got a homie, a homie DJ, Bucks fan. Been a Bucks fan, yeah, since high school. Met him in high school, been a Bucks fan. 
talked about the Raiders when they beat them in the Super Bowl, all of that. I think they had a solid draft. I do think they should have brought in a quarterback, even if it wasn't in the first round. I know Cal Trask was a second-round pick, so you got to do that. Baker Mayfield, you bring him in. You're going to let those guys just battle out head-to-head. Maybe like a fourth-rounder, fifth-rounder as a camp arm would have been something nice to, to, to handle. But I like this draft. They go get Kalija Kansi with pick 19 in the first round. Defensive tackle out of Pitt. Obviously, he's undersized, so everybody keeps saying he's super-duper small. Well, it doesn't matter if we put him next to uh, Vita Vea, who's 360 pounds at defensive tackle, so he's going to take doubles. Kalija Kansi's going to get a lot of one-on-ones. Shaq Barrett on one edge. Uh, Joe Tryon Sharinka on the other edge. So he's going to get a lot of one-on-ones, and that's where he dominates. That's how you go get 14 tackles for a loss in 10 sacks. So uh, I think Kalaja Kansi is going to be a dominant player for them. I think he fills in tremendous right next to Vita Vea. I think they're going to be a dominant force in that middle uh, uh, this upcoming season. And then in the second round, you get Cody Mosh. Cody Mosh played tackle at South Dakota, left and right, played guard, and never played center in his life. Asked him to play center at the Senior Bowl, performed excellent at center at the Senior Bowl. So this man can play anywhere on the offensive line. And for a team that has a lot of holes in that position, this guy is going to fill one of them, and you won't have to worry about it for the next 12 to 15 years. This is a plug-and-play player. I thought he was going to end up sneaking in the first round, but a second round is even better. Value there, and this guy is going to be a starter, whether it's at right tackle or right guard uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got one with Cody Mosh. Um, one of my favorite names in the draft, Yaya Derby, edge rush rider Louisville. Again, I watch a lot of these, these guys play Louisville, ACC. I'm a Florida State fan, so I damn near watch every Florida State game. So, so again, got to see this guy come off the edge. He's going to be a rotational edge player as a rookie. He has elite pass rush skill. Uh, has some off-the-field problems. That's kind of why he even fell a little bit. Uh, I think he could have even been maybe even a second-rounder. But, um, you know, off-the-field problems is whatever, but you get to a good organization where they can keep your head on straight. Um, and, and that's going to be a, a, a good pickup. I think he's going to help out, again, position versatility can rush from the inside and the outside. That's what a lot of the movement is now. You like people who can do both to help out. But he's going to be mainly an edge rusher, and he's going to come out and contribute as a rookie as well. Um, and then in the fifth round, Servaka Dennis. He plays mental linebacker. Obviously, they got Devin White and they got Levante David. But again, Levante David is up in age. And Servase uh, Dennis comes out of pit. Three-year starter, two years as a captain of this team. This guy's a sideline-to-sideline linebacker, and he can put his hand uh, and rush off the edge as well. But he's a middle linebacker. Again, uh, you got Levante David up there in age. I think this guy can come in and help out. Um, maybe in a season or two, take over when uh, Levante is, you know, maybe retired. Or maybe they let him go. He's only on a one-year deal right now as well. So don't be surprised if you see a lot of reps out of Savasse Dennis. And then um, Payne Durham, tight end out of Purdue. Again, they need a tight end. They lost all their tight ends. Gronk is gone. Uh, um, I forgot the mother dude's name. They wasn't that good as well. T- Tyler Bray, Cameron Bray, O.J. Howard, all them cats. Uh, Payne Durham is a big, big tight end out of Purdue. Um, and if you guys listened to me yesterday, Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback from Purdue, he was tied for first in the country in completion percentage. And when you throw the ball to a tight end, this is good. He doesn't drop passes. He's a physical downhill blocker. He's going to be a starting tight end as a rookie. Mark my words. Obviously, you think that's not a good thing, but this guy is going to be a good, uh, good tight end for y'all, Payne Durham. And then 
my two favorite picks. I'm going down to the end of the sixth round. Trey Palmer out of Nebraska. Yeah, needed to replace Scotty Miller with a deep threat. Scotty Miller now in Atlanta. He was y'all deep threat speed. Trey Palmer, 4-3-3 at the combine. Second fastest time out of all wide receivers. Is a vertical threat out of Nebraska. He can play outside. He can play inside. He go deep. And he go deep. And he's going to help out in the pass game uh, instantaneously for you guys. I think he's a, a, a tremendous player. I think you guys are uh, will definitely um, like to see, uh, will like seeing what he has for you guys um, as far as geary, shifting gears, in and out of breaks. But, again, he's going to take the top off the defense. He's going to be that Scotty Miller, Scotty Miller for them. And, again, Baker Mayfield and Caltrass have solid arms to be able to stretch the field. So this is a guy who will definitely benefit from having them. And then last, Jose Ramirez out of Eastern Michigan. Uh, I think he might need a season or two to polish his game out, but he was a dominant player at Eastern Michigan. Uh, led the team in sacks two years in a row. I think he's going to be a very good player, but he might need a season or two just to get used to the NFL speed, NFL game. But you got the right guys in front to teach you the game. Again, Shaq Barrett, Joe Tryon, Sharinka, Vita Vea. You got all these guys to help get you right. And, um, you know, help this young guy develop into a, a tremendous pass rusher with some upside for the future. Uh, solid draft. I gave these guys just a flat-out B. Flat B, nothing more, nothing less. Solid draft for these dudes here. Good draft, Bucks. Now, those are all my homies' draft picks, man. Those are all the main ones. But one more team I'm going to talk about. Uh, let me give a shout-out to uh, 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 Seattle Seahawks. They had another one of those A-plus drafts along with Philly. And, uh, again, they took the corner that everybody wanted, Devin Witherspoon. We thought they were going to take a defensive tackle. We thought they were going to go with Jalen Carter. These were the type of team that could have took him, and it would have worked. Pete loves taking project players, but he goes and shocks everybody and goes to get the shutdown corner, Devin Witherspoon, to put next to uh, runner-up rookie of the year, Tyree Woolen. Now you got two shutdown corners back there to go with Quandre Diggs, who's well at safety. They also signed Julian Love as well to play safety uh, from the Giants. So I, I, they secondary look real good. Then in the second round, you get Jackson Smith and Jigba. Not in the second round, but uh, in pick 20 in the first round, you get Jackson Smith and Jigba. They had this guy high as uh, uh, a pick 11 to us at 11. So I definitely thought this guy, uh, to get him back here at 20, he's going to be a plug-and-play slot receiver. DK, Tyler Lockett, him, shh. Cookies and milk out there. Gino with more weapons, more targets, just makes it better. Then in the second round, you know, Pete going to get him an edge rusher. Derek Hall, 4-4-9, defensive end, uh, strong, powerful, speed-to-power type of guy. You know the type of guys Pete Carroll like. He likes bigger defensive ends who can convert speed to power, and that's exactly what Derek Hall is going to do off the edge. It's even funny because Big Che wanted this guy on the Niners, so to see him go to the Seahawks, now he's got to root against him. <laughs> but again, Derek Hall edge rusher then they go out in the second round and get zach charbonnet uh the running back out of ucla i think this guy's a physical runner he kind of reminds me of demarco murray a little bit because he kind of runs high but he's a physical style runner one cut go it's gonna be well in this seahawks zone running scheme they're gonna fit well help out with kenneth walker in the backfield i think they're gonna be a nice one-two punch going forward um uh, then they then again um uh, who they get? Where, who am I looking for? Oh, uh, Anthony uh, Bradford out of LSU. This guy is going to potentially battle for their starting center position. Remember, they drafted two rookie tackles last year that started at both tackles. They're potentially going to walk out 
two guards, two new offensive linemen that's going to be rookies, and one of them in the fifth round, Alua Aluwatanami out of Michigan. This guy plays center and guard as well. Him, don't be surprised if him and Anthony Bradford are starting on the offensive line this season for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. They, they they just have a good good eye for drafting young talent that can come in and play early. And then my favorite pick is another running back they added in the seventh round, Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia. Physical back, but he's going to be more of the receiving back. They don't really have a receiving back anymore. They lost Boomer. They lost, they lost Dallas. They lost Boomer. So they're going to need another receiving back. Kenny McIntosh, very good receiving back out of Georgia. Caught the ball well out the backfield. Great hands. I think he helps out in the receiving game. I think this is a great pick. A++. I told you, they killed the draft just like the Lions killed the draft, just like the Eagles killed the draft. And before I get done, before we get ready to switch over to Hoop, shout out to the New York Giants. New York Giants signing Dexter Lawrence to a four-year extension worth $90 million, making him the third highest paid defensive tackle in the league behind Aaron Donald and yours truly, Jeffrey Simmons. But, uh, hey, shout out to uh, Dexter Lawrence. Though. I'm a big fan of D. Lawrence. He was a hog at Clemson. These uh, are one of them big nose tackles who, excuse me, not only can stuff the run, but he actually can get after the passer too, and that's why you pay a guy like this. Because not only does he stop the run at a high level, he can actually push the pocket from the middle. So, big pickup. Shout out to uh, Dexter Lawrence getting paid. I hope all my homies uh, enjoyed their team. Hope y'all enjoy. Now, make sure y'all go listen and tune in to these players as the as your year start. See how they doing in training camp. Rookie OTA start, what, next week? Yep, next next week. Between the twelfth and the between the tenth through the fifteenth, we're gonna be starting rookie OTAs for different teams and different uh different uh uh different teams, different uh organizations, depending on if your head coach knew how new he is, you know, things like that. So definitely, definitely I'm gonna keep y'all posted. Uh it won't be too many more episodes of football. I'm gonna get ready to shut it down, finish my football season off now that the draft is done. I'll, I'll probably get about two more episodes out of me for football, but I'm still going to tune in Thursdays and Fridays, talk hoop until it's over. We still got the finals. I'll still do light football talk, maybe if it's like some trade that happens, something dramatic happens. But if not, it's going to be all hoop talk um, until, obviously, I'm going to start bringing in college football as well. Spring games are happening. So I'll start talking a little bit about Coach Prime, players he's got coming in, things and certain like that. Uh, talk about my Florida State Seminoles as well. And how Coach Norvell can bounce, have an even better year this year in year four um, and put Florida State on the map and try to get us into a college football playoff this year. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, Travis Jordan, our quarterback, Jordan Travis, our quarterback, uh, a lot of little things. But again, we're going to be getting ready to wind up on the football talk. The draft is done. Offseason is about to be finishing. They're about to get ready to be starting the new league year. So, I'm going to take a little hiatus for football and, and be only talking hoop for a minute. But when I do come back, football, it should be visual. And I'm not sure if we're going to continue to do it from Facebook like I did or if I'm going to do it from Twitch, working on my options, working on my business side of things because, again, it's got to be lucrative and beneficial for me as well. So, again, stay tuned. I'm going to keep the, keep y'all ears to the streets. Y'all know I'm going to keep y'all posted with those things. But it's the Bring the Wood podcast with your boy D. Wood. I'll be back after this. Yo, yo, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to the Break the Wood Podcast. Y'all already know it's your boy D. Wood. And y'all know what time it is. It's hoop time. Not only is it hoop time, it's playoff time. Not only is it playoffs, we are in the second round of the playoffs where the games are good. And every game matters. And every moment matters. But before we talk about the playoffs and then playoff teams, we're going to talk about the teams that's not in the playoffs. And one of them is my Nets. 
We're making some coaches changes, coaching changes, and we're not firing Jock Vaughn. No, 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 we better not be. But we parting ways with some of the coaches that we had on his staff because don't forget he inherited Steve Nash's coaching staff. He just moved up to the head coach, inherited a staff that was not his. Now he's going to get a chance to put together his own staff after parting ways with Igor Kolovsky, Brian Kififi, and Tiago freaking splitter y'all now it makes sense why we had an undersized center because we got tiago splitter as one of our coaches who was an undersized center this is why we'd be having so many foreign players on our team because our whole coaching staff is foreign but jock vaughn coach vaughn get a chance to put his stamp on his team this offseason do the moves you want to make. Do what You need to do the best fits and build the team for you, bro. Because if not, you will be fired in the season and we'll be in, a, in this same purgatory again trying to figure out a coach and players to put on this team. And I feel we got players now and we got a coach. Now it's time to build for what we have. I like some of the players we got. It's time to build on that. But, yeah, we, we, fired, some, some, we fired some coaches, bro. But uh, uh, speaking of coaches being fired... To a player, to, to from coaches being fired to a player basically being told you're not going to be rehired, and that's Dylan Bro Dylan Brooks, uh, formerly of the Memphis Grizzlies. They already came out and said that he won't return, and this is what I didn't like. They said he won't return under any circumstance. I thought that was kind of low. I don't think you ever even tell players things like this, or if you do, this doesn't get out. I've never. I ain't going to say I've never, but off the top of my head, I can't never hear it. I've never heard a team really just tell somebody like, oh, yeah, we're not bringing him back no matter what. We don't care what happens. Like, I've never heard a team come out and say that, ever, in my entire career. And then everybody can say, well, Dylan Brooks ain't that good, and I would disagree. I would say sometimes his mouth might write checks that his ash can't cash, but I'm not going to say he's not a good player. And I think he has... Um, more to more room to grow. I feel like as defensively, and like as the work he put in, he can't. He can't. He's tapped out on the defensive end. He can't get any better than that defensively. Like he's a very very good defender, an All NBA type defender. So he can't get past that. But he can become a better three point shooter. He says he has more of an offensive game. But the thing is, the Grizzlies won't do that because Grizzlies offered him two contracts this year already. And he turned them both down because it's a role player contract. And it's basically saying, hey, we want to pay you to do this right here, what you're doing. Don't really shoot the ball because they told him to actually stop shooting, even though he shot a terrible shooting percentage. But again, he's not a 3 and D player. He's trying to be a 3 and D player for this team. He's a defender, yes, but he's not a 3 and D player. And that's what Memphis is trying to make him. And he's not a 3 and D player. And we see that. He's not a great three-point shooter. He's more of like kind of a scorer if y'all go back and put the tape on him at oregon bro he was a scorer at oregon when he first got to memphis before jai and got here and it was just him and jaron jackson he was averaging 18 20 points so i do think he, uh, i think grizzlies handled this kind of bad um and I, I i hope they didn't blame it on like uh his his character because this is what they condoned and uh, again, uh, I heard a, I heard a, a, a media outlet say, "You either condone this or you coach this." So I'm not sure if the if the if the Grizzlies coach is coaching these guys like this, telling them to to do these things, but he's not telling them to stop doing them when they are. Again, 
If you think the antics that Dylan Brooks do is anything, the worst thing that we've seen Dylan Brooks do so far is what he said about LeBron. And again, was it a little too far as far as, yeah, saying it, but feeling that way and is, is what it is. But the trash talking, we've heard Ja literally tell people he can't fucking guard me. This dude is trash. He does it too small down the court. Like, this is a team thing. Jaron Jackson talking spew. Uh, 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 Desmond Bain getting teed up. Like, this team's been like this. This team is this team. So I think if they're cutting Dylan Brooks solely because of what he said to LeBron and his antics, that's a terrible reason to cut a player. Very, very terrible. And um, I think you could ruin your relationship with players in the future wanting to come there if they see like, oh, well, I was turned up because they was turned up. And now you mad because we lost and I was too turned up. I think that's some bull. And that's just on me. And I'm like, nah, the one that allegedly punched the kid. <laughs> Jada one that allegedly pulled a gun out on security. Jada one allegedly had a gun in the club. Jada one, Jada one, Dylan Brooks don't do nothing off the floor. We heard about him getting no fights, no altercations, no scruffles. His madness happens where it's supposed to happen, respectfully, and that's within the lines, within that squared circle is what I like to call it. <laughs> in that squared circle, that's where they like to handle their business, and that's where Dylan Brooks handles his. And in the media, you know, he's a this is a good guy. Who just got a who got a bad reputation? And again, he said that he said they paid me to be a villain. I don't think he's a villain, but I think he's a badass. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with being a badass. Ron Artest was the same way. Uh, Steven Jackson was the same way. Al Harrington was the same way. Jermaine O'Neal was the same way. Jamal Tinsley was the same way. Ben Wallace. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like there are players who play with a streak and talk mess and and back it up. And I think Dylan did more talking than he was backing. If he would have kept it low profile, I think he would have been backing up his talk. He just talked up a little too much. And he's talking to a point to where he actually can't back it up because his team isn't going to let him. So I do think this is going to be something to be interested in. But listen, don't think that he's not going to have a suitor of players lined up to come play for. He's going to have a nice list of teams like, hey, you can come do that for us. Hey, you might just can't talk as much off the floor but when you're on the court say and do whatever you want long as it's within the confines of the game i don't think dylan brooks a dirty player either you don't got a bunch of dirty players out there like so again i think the grizzlies overdid it because the expectation was high and they got shot down way sooner than they expected so you got to find a scapegoat and i think dylan brooks was the scapegoat and i don't think this was all his fault i think it was some of his if you want to get him majority of the blame I wouldn't, but I wouldn't be mad at somebody if they wanted to. But at the end of the day, bro, there was somebody in that same organization kicking up way more dust than Dylan Brooks was. So that's just my personal opinion. But, hey, guarantee you he going to be on the team next year. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, bro. And don't be surprised if it's one of these championship teams like the Lakers next season or the Warriors or, the, or, uh, or Milwaukee or Phoenix. One of these championship caliber teams going to I'll take a chance on that man. He's gonna be even up, even better player for it. So, or maybe he goes somewhere where he can get a more role and be more of a scorer, like you think he can be. I'm here for whatever, man. Get your money, get your money, black man. But that's my little take on Dylan Brooks. I think the Grizzlies handled that shit poorly. I think they've handled everything poorly right now, and that's kind of why you go out in the first round when you should be a team that makes it to the Western Conference Finals. And that's my take on the Grizzlies this year. Um, next. I got to even, I ain't going to even call this a spicy take. This is just a take. This is just a take, and um, you do with it what you want. 
But Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly was uh, on the Pat Bev podcast. Uh, and it's Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. And to make a long story short, they both basically said if the Lakers win a ring, they want their chip. Short, just plain and simple. They said if the Lakers somehow win a, win a finals, we would like a championship ring. I don't have a problem with it. it, it, it I, I don't know. I know I, I got how many games they play right here. But I don't know the number it has to be to be considered a team player. Remember Vanderson Verjal, uh that year that the Cavs and the, uh, and the Warriors played in the finals, he had played enough games for both teams that no matter who won, he was going to get, the, get, a, get a ring. So Westbrook played 52 games. You don't forget, Pat Bev and Westbrook was on the team when the season started. So when the season first opened, they were on the roster. Westbrook played 52 games. What uh, uh, played in 52 games for the Lakers. Patrick Beverly played in 43 games for the Lakers. And they both saying they want to ring if they win. Um, I don't care. I'm here for it. If that's what you want to do, go for it. If the Lakers say it's good if they win a ring, why not? Whatever. Russ need a ring. Go ahead, get him one. He played play more than half the games here. So, hey, if Vera Jow can do it, why can't Russ? Whoop. And Pat Bev. <laughs> Get him. Um, and I'll, and then I'm gonna get into the game yesterday. I'll be brief, because the game was brief. And it was Lakers Warriors. And I said Warriors would win game two. I said I thought it was gonna be Warriors win game one, Lakers win game two. But Lakers won game one, so Warriors just win game two. And there was nothing in me. That thought the Lakers were going to go and win two games straight in Golden State. That's out. So that was just me personally, uh, of my personal uh, feelings on it. I felt like it was no way that they were going to go down 2-0. Not at home. I'm not saying they can't go lose two in, in L.A. and be down 2-3-1. That's possible. But not at home, they wasn't going to do that. So I, I did think that they were going to come out and get it done. Even surprised me, Kevin Looney, and I, Kevon Looney being sick. Uh, and only playing 12 minutes, and in 12 minutes still grabbed eight rebounds, which was second on the team. Like, this is how a player this man is. Like, uh, this guy is a warrior. <laughs> he is that. Played 12 minutes and still was second on the team rebounds with eight. Moody came off the bench with another eight rebounds. Obviously, Draymond had 11. Almost had a triple-double, 11, 11, and 9. Uh, Jermichael Greenwood. 15 big points uh, to be moved into the starting lineup. Obviously, Curry didn't have a high scoring night, but he was efficient. 7 for 12, 3 for 5 from the three-point line. And that shout-out to the Lakers' defense. What they're doing is perfect. Playing Curry where they're playing him, it's like, look, we know you're going to make shots. But what we're going to do is we're going to make you take the least amount of shots as possible. Because it sounds it sound like you say you want to just let him take hella shots and hope he miss. It's like, no. How about we just avoid him shooting as much as he can? He's going to force some. He's going to force some that's still going to go in. But let's make it hard that when he doesn't have the ball, he doesn't get it back. And that's what the Lakers are trying to do a good job of doing. And Curry being Curry is going to still find a way to put his imprint on the game. And that's why he went out there and got 12 dimes. The X factor was Clay Thompson. We've been waiting for a big play Clay game. Big play Clay. And he came through. And he did exactly what they needed. And he shot the ball beautifully from the field. 8 for 11. 11 for 18 from the field. 8 of 11 from the three-point line is what I meant to say. And again, man, they were clicking on all cylinders, bro. And they ran away from this from start to finish. 
And it was it was beautiful. And again, the key is gonna be if they can do this to Curry and keep him low like this to low shot attempts, it's gonna be can Clay keep this up? If Clay can keep this up, which is not impossible, because he's getting a lot of one-on-ones. He's got to beat his man and make the shot. And he's doing that. And if he can continue to do that, uh, I think they're gonna be forced to be reckoned with in this game. And I think the Lakers are gonna have a handful. But if they can defend, force Clay to beat him, and Clay not be able to do it all the time then I think the Lakers can get this series. But, again, that's why this, that's why I didn't pick a winner. That's why this series is going to be so tough. That's why I can pick, pick winners in every other series uh, but this series. But, again, bro, the Lakers got smashed. And um, we kind of knew they were. AD's got this, uh, he's got this weird thing where all odd number of games in the series this year, he scored less than 20-some points, like less than like 22 points, less than 10 rebounds in all even number games. I mean, all odd number games. So game, I mean, even, I said even. So in game two, four, six. So, and then in this case, it's going to be one, three, five. So like, he's just up and down every series, even in the Memphis series. He would have a good game, have a bad game. Have a good game, have a bad game. Have a good game. And it's looking like it's going to be more of the same. And you go out there and 11.7 rebounds, four assists. He only took 11 shots. I think they do this purposely, though. Maybe they're trying not to overwork him. It's like, hey, we're going to push you game one because we're going to try to steal home court. If we steal it, you're just going to be on the court just to keep the cardio. Keep your cardio up. Keep you in the game. Let your cardio be up so you still keep your cardio high and run up and down the court. Don't take a bunch of shots. Still scare people, block shots. See if we can get a win without using you. They're not going to win too many games without Anthony Davis being the best player on the floor. Um, LeBron James had a good night. Uh, he started off strong, finished ugly from the three-point line. Started off strong. I think he made his first three shots and then missed his next five. So, again, uh, go figure. But uh, I think they got to give more from, again, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves. They got one of the bench dudes. I say either Schroeder or Hachimura has to contribute off the bench. It was Hachimura last night with 21. But you're going to need... Russell and Reeves or Russell and somebody, you feel me, Reeves, you're going to need these guys, one of these guys to continue to help. You can't have three dudes in your starting lineup be non-contributors, four of you include AD. But I'm saying even if AD does contribute, you can't have Reeves, D'Angelo, and Vanderbilt combining for freaking, you know what I'm saying, 20 points. So that's, that, that's kind of what I feel about that. But again, I think AD will have a bounce back game Saturday. Um, I think I think Brown will play well, and I think D'Angelo Russell and or uh, uh, Austin Reeves had to play well. And again, Hachimura Schroeder coming off the bench got to bring that bring that bring that flair and help out in that second unit. And I think they'll they'll be in this, and they can go ahead and control the home court and win Game One in L.A. Well, not Game One in L.A. Game Three in L.A. My apologies. But to the games today, 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 the games today, two of them, two of them for this. Uh, we got Celtics Sixers today. Obviously, MB didn't look good uh, day before yesterday out there, limped around. But I think they had to do that just for him to learn how to play through that, so that that way now he can really try to get after it because he's gonna be compromised. He's hurt. He's one of those dudes that once he's hurt, he's not gonna be healthy again. Not in enough time of this series, you're gonna be. I'll say that he's gonna get healthy again, but he won't be able to get healthy during this series with Boston. He's going to play this series hurt. And it sucks because now it's, this, it's like the James Harden and B thing all over again. Usually, whoever James Harden playing with, they they get hurt and then he falls off. 
And then usually in beat balls out, and he either gets hurt or the person he playing with fall off. And now you got these guys that got this same type of uh, history on the same team, and it's kind of happening to them both. And B gets hurt. Harden goes off one game, but now you got your hurt in B playing with you. Harden doesn't show up, and B can't show up. Bam, results in the air. And I think Boston's going to try to bring it to him today. In Philly, try to get home court back. Expect a big game from, from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown tonight. I'm, I'm thinking both these guys are going to go for 30 tonight. So I think it'll be a big game. I think this will just take back control of the series with a big upsetting win today in Philly for game three. And I think Boston take back control of the series. And I think Boston get this done in six. And uh, that's just my take. Boston in six. And they advance to the Eastern Conference Finals to play the winner of Miami and New York. And I'm talking the Knicks, not the Nets. In game two today, which is a pivotal second game. But this is game three. But in the second game today, this is a pivotal, pivotal game three for the uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Denver Nuggets is up 2-0 right now. No CP for the foreseeable future for at least the next two games, for sure. The next two games at home, he won't be. I feel like he ain't coming back unless they go seven, and that's just my personal opinion. I think he's going to miss this series and in his entirety, and I think they're going to need him because for that purposes, they're going to need Chris Paul. But I think now without Chris Paul, they're going to use a lot more of their players for depth. All those bench players that they didn't want to use because they felt like they couldn't because they didn't feel like they were good enough. Now you don't have Chris Paul. Now you're going to have to. This could potentially make these guys play better. But I think Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Somebody else got to help them dudes out in this series. They're not going to be able to out. Y'all know I'm in the ghetto. Yo, we not gonna, they're not going to be able to outmatch Joker and, and Murray right now. They look like they're on point. So I think you're going to definitely have to, have to try to get somebody else to help out KD and book scoring. Uh, whether that's Ross or Craig, Cameron Payne. Or again, DeAndre Aiden. But somebody has to help these guys out in this series because they're going to need it because they're missing a big part of their offense. Um, and uh, Chris Paul, again, this makes for more ball handling for Devin Booker. And I'm not sure how good or bad that's going to be for him as far as being more of the guard. It just means more eyes on him. He can't really move without the ball. So I picked the Suns to win this series. So the Suns got to win this. So I'm taking the Suns at home. Big win. I think Kevin Durant shows up. Booker shows up. And I think we get a big night from Aiden and Knight, and they go ahead and get and get one of these games at home just to let them know that they still got a chance. But if they somehow lose this game, um, I'm saying sweep, but maybe Kevin Durant goes out and drops a 50, 60 piece, and they win one. But if they lose game three, this is a four or five game series that I don't see them coming back. Devin Booker's built for that. I'm not sure if Kevin Durant is built for that. So... That's just my personal take, but I definitely picked the Suns to win this series, and I'm still going to ride with that. But this this game three is pivotal, and um, not changing my opinion. I'm gonna still hope they win, but and letting me know that it's a possibility that they're not getting this done. And going into the playoffs, we knew that depth would be their Achilles heel, and not having enough depth, and then losing your point guard uh, only only adds to it. And I think that that is that is a a terrible terrible thing. Uh, to, to happen. And then um, tomorrow, though. Back to it. Not today. Tomorrow. We got two games tomorrow. We got Knicks Heat. And we got Warriors Lakers. 
I told you we only got eight left. There's only eight people left, man. Eight people battling for a spot at the top. And um, Lakers play at 530 uh, tomorrow in L.A., game three. I think they go ahead and get it and get a win uh, um, in L.A. Game three, I think they win. Game four will be a mystery. But I think they come out, establish themselves game three and get a big time win at home to, to keep the home court advantage. Game four will be a mystery. And as far as this Knicks Heat game, Jimmy Butler plays, they win, regardless of his output. But Jimmy Butler playing just gives the Heat hope, and they'll win. No Jimmy Butler, you might get a Knicks win. And if Knicks win one in Heat, we might see the Knicks in the Western Conference Finals. I'm not saying it's going to be in like four or five, but I think the Knicks will win the series if they can get one of these games, one of these two games in Miami to get the series back uh, face home for them. I think they can give the Heat a run for their money, and we could see the Knicks in the freaking Eastern Conference Finals, y'all. <laughs> Who would have thought before the season started? We could say it's a possibility that the Knicks can be in the Eastern Conference Finals. That is a story all to itself. <laughs> but, yeah, big games today. Uh, big games today as far as Celtics and, uh, and uh, Sixers, and then two big games tomorrow, Warriors, Lakers, Knicks, Heat. I think they all going to be set up for something special. Definitely. Um, good playoff series. Again, I think the Celtics got their series sewn up. I have no clue what's going on in Lakers-Warriors. And I think Miami Heat beat the Knicks as well. The Jimmy Butler injury is scary, but I think the Knicks, I think Miami Heat can get the Knicks still. And then um, Boston and Philly, I think Boston gets them. Joel Embiid injury. I already had Boston anyway, but now with Embiid being compromised, meaning more pressure on Harden and the other guys, I really got Boston going um, to the Eastern Conference Finals, playing against Miami, which will be interesting for a little bit, I feel like, if Jimmy Butler is healthy. And then I don't know who coming out that West yet. I'm still hoping the Suns can do it because I would love to see Suns versus either team, Warriors or Lakers. I think that would be great for TV. But, again, they got to handle their business first with the Denver Nuggets, or, or we won't get that. So, that that is what it is. But before I get out of here, I got to give a shout-out to my guy, my favorite big man in the league, Mr. Joel Embiid, winning MVP. Well-deserving. I ain't going to say long overdue because, man, Joker and Giannis and them work their ass off of the MVPs they got. But well-deserving is what Joel Embiid is. He's a well-deserving MVP. He led the league in scoring this year. At 31 or 33 points per game, he was eighth in the league in rebounding with 10, and he even averaged four assists a game and was 20th in field goal percentage, uh, 54% from the field. Also, averaged two blocks and a steal and was uh, uh, fourth on the defensive player of the year list. So, this guy is was a bona fide star this season uh, and was the, one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league, from start to finish this season. Uh, and definitely uh, deserved his MVP, and I'm so glad he got it. My favorite big man in the league, Joel Embiid. I think he's a monster, and I'm happy he's got his ring. Hopefully he can uh, – not his ring, his trophy. My apologies. Got his, got his trophy, got his MVP. Hopefully when he get his trophy tonight, he can be motivating to him, and they can go out and get a win tonight versus Boston. That would be pretty dope as well. So uh, shout-out to Mr. Embiid on winning MVP this season. First – First uh, sixer to win MVP since 2001 when AI won that thing. So congratulations to Joel Embiid, my guy. And before I get out of here, last thing, Bucks officially fired Coach Mike Budenholz. Um, after a first-round loss to the Heat, 
And my big thing with Budenholz was he was never good at making adjustments. I can say that. He did not adjust well. It was like, hey, if they can't handle the Giannis in the threes, we're going to do this. If they do, Giannis, you got to break through it. And it didn't always work. And that's what happened in this uh, series with the Heat. Even though Giannis got hurt, he still came back and had a triple-double, and they still lost. So I'm not blaming Giannis' injury on why they lost this series. That has something to do with it, but coaching has a lot to do with it as well. And I think Budenholz... Uh, he just didn't grow from the championship. He didn't. His team didn't get better. They didn't expand. They took a step back in all actuality, and uh, this is why they ended up parting ways with him. I do think he will get a job very, very soon, a coaching job, obviously. Uh, he's one of the better coaches in the league. I think he'll get a head coaching job, and I think he'll learn from his mistakes as well, which he should. Uh, that's what all great coaches do. You learn from your mistakes, and you get better. Uh, I think he'll, he'll – I don't know what team will want him. But I definitely think he's deserving of of a head coaching job. And just to piggyback on this, this is the third this is the this is the third coach of the last four NBA champions to be fired. The last four NBA champions have been fired. No, the last three of the last four. Curry's the only one who hasn't been fired. Frank Vogel got fired after winning the ring with the Lakers. Nick Nurse just got fired after winning the ring with the Raptors. And now Mike Budenholz is fired after winning the ring with the Milwaukee Bucks. Only coach who has not been fired is Mr. Kerr, who is right now just coming off a ring and in a series on his way to potentially going to Western Conference Finals. So, again, I don't know what that means, but three of the last four championship coaches are looking for jobs right now. Take that how you want. <laughs> I want to thank y'all for tuning in to the Bringing the Wood podcast. Y'all already know if you don't have me on Spotify, go download it. Bringing the Wood. Just type that in on podcast. I mean on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to pop up. You're going to see it. And add your boy. I need it, man. We're trying to run it up on the Spotify likes. I mean on the Spotify uh, ads and subscribe. So, again, thank y'all to everybody who tuned in. Thank you to all the listeners, all the supporters, all the encouraging words. To all the homies, I hope y'all enjoyed y'all draft. To everybody in the teams who still remain in the playoffs, good luck to y'all. And uh, happy Friday, everybody. Y'all go out and enjoy y'all day on this good Friday, man. Love, peace, and hair grease. Love, live, life, and Tupac. Y'all already know it's the Bring the Wood podcast. And on this podcast, it's your boy D-Wood, and I just brought the wood. Peace. <laughs>